Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Doers Cast. Today, we have a very, very special two guests, not one, but two, and they are pretty new to the U.S. They've been here only for a few months. They've been in the Philippines and they are focused on growing their latest venture called Vlogme, which is a startup, an app that is focused on creating genuine and authentic content. And I met them like a few weeks ago at Capital Factory. Yeah, that's right, me, everyone. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I'll link their socials down below. But without further ado, please welcome Luke and Rafi Thorson. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> What's right, up, man? What's right. up? Thanks What's for having up? us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how y'all been so far? Like, Pretty good, man. <laughs> you know, pretty good. It, it's funny you mentioned that you meet pretty much everyone at Capital Factory. Mm -hmm. Same with us, bro. <laughs> That's Same literally with us. where everyone we know is from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When we first landed here, my sister went on meetup.com mm -hmm. and we looked at every single networking event that we could go to. And we went to all of them and people kept talking about this place called Capital Factory. And so we luckily went to some Capital Factory events, met some people. Mm -hmm. And once we started coming here to Capital Factory, we just met so many people, man. <laughs> like, I think everyone we know. Yeah or everyone we have met in the past few months is somehow tied to Capital Factory in one way or another. And yeah. I'm, I might have told you this already, but one thing that my dad always tells me mm -hmm. is if you're in the room, you're in the deal. Yep. If you're at Capital Factory, exactly. you're in the room. And yeah. so we, we really like it here. But our membership mm -hmm. might be expiring soon. So <laughs> yeah, our, yeah. I think with that is we're thinking that, so we got a golden ticket. So we got mm -hmm. three months here for free. And oh, yeah. It's running out probably, I think, in a couple weeks, a couple weeks, maybe early January. Uh -huh. And we're thinking about throwing a going away party at Capital Factory to oh, kind of like man. throw a go away party. Like, sorry, guys, we won't be able to afford this place anymore. So Wait, that'd be, just, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Just, yeah make it a, kind of a funny thing and make yeah. it like a big deal. And then, who knows? Maybe they'll be like, yo, guys, don't worry. You can you can save for a bit longer. Dude, so. yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But if you guys are in Austin and you're an entrepreneur and you're like, you know, if you, you want to meet other people. Capital Factory is a place to be. Like, so many cool stuff. So yeah, I guess we can start off with just like the very, very origin of Vlogme. How did it all start? Like, yeah. Okay. Oh man. Okay, so Vlogme started way back when I was still in high school, actually. Mm -hmm. So I'm 23 now, but when I was in grade 11, we moved to a new city in canada called victoria if you know where vancouver oh. is yeah i know vancouver. it's an island off of vancouver and mm -hmm. so we, we moved there from our hometown calgary alberta and when we moved there i went to this new high school everything uh you know new friends whatever and i hated it i hated <laughs> school man i just i didn't like the stuff i was learning i hated showing up to class absolutely hated it mm -hmm. and you know, halfway through the year, I started to realize that, like, I would, I would start showing up to class or showing up to school, but I wouldn't be able to show up to class because I would be right outside my classroom, mm -hmm. but I'd be too anxious to go inside my class. It was so mm. weird. So, so. Like social anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, like social anxiety and not for, you know, any specific reason, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it was a weird contrast because 
the year before that at my high school, I was like on the football team. Mm -hmm. I had like my gaming friends who I hung out with. Mm -hmm. I could walk into the cafeteria and like everyone was my homie. And I go to this new place and I just became like the biggest loner <laughs> ever. And mm. that's that's when I realized I was like, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty big introvert. So mm. I started not showing up to class. Mm -hmm. And my dad, he realized he's like, okay, Luke isn't a bad kid. He's not out with, you know, a bad crowd doing drugs, skipping school. Mm. I was at school. I just wasn't in my class. And so my dad, every single day, would get those emails from the school saying, hey, Luke didn't show up to class today. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Like, what, what is going on? And so he would talk to me about it. And, you know, sometimes it got so bad that I would literally hide in my house so I didn't have yeah. to go to school. <laughs> I, like, it made my stomach kind of drop thinking uh -huh. about it because it was such a bad experience. But, uh -huh. you know, at the time, I didn't even know what mental health really meant. Mm -hmm. You know, I... I never really heard the term too much. I've probably heard of it, mm -hmm. but it wasn't something that I thought was a big issue at the time. And mm -hmm. that's when I started to really understand, you know, anxiety, depression, and all of that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. when I, it got so bad that I actually ended up dropping out of school. So in grade 11, mm -hmm. dropped out of high school. I was like, I can't do this crap anymore. Cause you just felt so like limited at school. Like you couldn't, you felt like you couldn't be yourself. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't so much that I couldn't be myself, but I, mm -hmm. I just felt that, like, on top of the, you know, anxiety of going to class, I hated what I was learning. I just wanted mm -hmm. to get into business already. Mm -hmm. I was in school, and I was like, this stuff is so useless to me. I want to start a company. Mm -hmm. And that's all I could think about. And so when I dropped out of school, I started doing school online, but that didn't work out. It just, I still hated what I was learning. Mm. And so my dad, my parents were pretty worried. They were like, okay, what are we going to do with Luke? Mm -hmm. You know, like we, this kid has to graduate <laughs> high school at yeah. least, right? Uh -huh. And so I was really lucky because my dad, he found this school and it's called the Pacific School of Innovation and Inquiry. Mm. Really great school. Is so, it like a college? No, it's a high school. Oh, okay. And so it's based around inquiry-based learning. So, mm -hmm. shout out Jeff. Shout uh, out to Jeff. Shout out Jeff. He, he was oh, our man. principal. Um, he actually got me and my sister in on full scholarship. Oh, wow. And so, at the actually at the time, uh, when Luke was in grade 11, I was in grade 8 and in uh -huh. middle school. But then in grade 9, I went to the high school that he went to. And oh, I also... You felt the same thing. Well, kind of. Like, I didn't feel it as, as much, I don't think. But mm -hmm. the problem is that I didn't know that what I was feeling at the time was anxiety because I would mm. remember getting a tight chest, not being able to like go to class. And then I'd call my dad and he'd have to pick me up from school. And I didn't mm. know that the shortness of breath, the hiding in the bathroom was anxiety. I just thought that everyone had that. Like, oh. I didn't know mm. that people didn't feel like crying when asking their teacher for an extension, Damn. you know, we're going to the, to the restroom, right? <laughs> we're going to the restroom yeah. and then staying there for the rest of class. Cause you don't want to walk back inside the room. Did I feel you? <laughs> yeah. So, uh. Um, that happened like grade eight and nine, but mm -hmm. then two months into grade nine is when I transferred to the same school Luke was going mm -hmm. to at PSAI, the Pacific School of Innovation and Inquiry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's really cool about this is the principal is he wanted to figure out alternative ways of learning and teaching because not everyone learns the same. You yeah. Know? And so his curriculum, the way that they taught was based around inquiry based learning. So essentially how it would work is if you were interested in whatever it could be marine biology it could be outer space it could mm -hmm. be 
you know, social media platforms, you would ask a question. And to answer that question, the teachers at school would help you build a curriculum that checked all the boxes to help you graduate um, while answering that question. So it's actually like, it starts with you doing something, you wanting to do something that you enjoy. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. So there were artists, there were people who were, you know, aspiring architects and... Mm-hmm. There was just some really cool stuff going on and it was yeah. great because everyone was so passionate about what they were doing because yeah. they were doing what they liked doing and the the annoying parts the difficult mm. things that you didn't want to do were a little bit less annoying because mm-hmm. you had this bigger goal that you were going for and yeah. so for me my question was i can't remember the exact question but it was based around social media because i've always been into content creation some of the only type of content that i've that I haven't created is a podcast, really. I mean, <laughs> True, actually. Um, I, I used to do, you know, skits, blogs, gaming mm. videos, like everything, you name it. I, I probably have over 600 videos uploaded wow. in total of, of mm-hmm. everything. And so, I mean, I, I was really big into content creation before, but, you know, I I was more interested in the, the back-end side of it. When, when mm-hmm. I started researching into, you know, the business side of it, the... How the algorithm works. The algorithm works. Mm -hmm. The even the financing of it of everything. Mm. I was so interested on that part. And I realized that, you know, we'll get to this later, but when I was working with my friends in our record label, I -hmm. realized that I wasn't a creative. I realized that okay, Mm. these guys are on a completely different level of creativity than I am. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so when I was at that school and I was answering that question, it, it was based around content creation and social media. And when I started looking into social media, that's when I really started to understand how negative it was impacting, you know, its users' digital well-being mm-hmm. and mental health. And, you know, before that, I had no idea about really any of these terms, and I didn't know that it was having such a, a negative impact on us. And so mm-hmm. when I came up with the idea for Vlogme, it was, you, you obviously remember Snapchat. Mm-hmm. You probably remember the time when when Snapchat introduced their story feature. And mm-hmm. I love that feature. I fell yeah. in love with it because it was something where I felt good about posting that content. I loved watching the content for my friends, mm-hmm. but I didn't like that it disappeared after 24 hours. Mm. So I came up with the idea for Vlogme as a Snapchat that your stories never disappear. And that was kind okay. of the initial concept for Vlogme. But then when I started looking into it and developing social media, like as a, as a full platform, Mm -hmm. that's when I started to realize, you know, the negative impacts that it was having on us. And so that's when we Mm -hmm. kind of shifted our focus to making it into a more positive environment Mm -hmm. online, because, you know, one of the big things that we think about is we're all around the same age in here, you know, and we're some of the first people that grew up using social media. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about it, you know, every single child that's born, from today on or even 20 years ago on mm-hmm. is going to be growing up on some form of social media yeah. and so it's like we got to figure out a way that it has a positive impact on us because it's not going to be leaving us anytime soon mm-hmm. so was it like um so you see it as like you saw it as really negative was was it just like over time you're like you know the more you use it yourself the more you do it or was there like a certain moment where that was like a turning point for you and you're like man i need to like do something about this like i'm gonna start this thing oh man well i would say i i had one of those things kind of recently mm-hmm. that 
that kind of helps cement the idea that we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. So my sister, she wanted me to record some videos for TikTok. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's three years younger than I am. But we use social media so much differently. Mm-hmm. She uses TikTok all the time. <laughs> she loves that kind of content. Uh-huh. But I never use TikTok. The closest thing I use to TikTok is like YouTube shorts. Uh-huh. Okay. And so my sister was telling me, she's like, okay, Luke, you got to record some videos for TikTok mm-hmm. because whether you like it or not, there is a huge demographic of people who are in our key demographic that is on here. You know, yeah, yeah, 60% true. of people on TikTok is 10 to 24. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big demographic of people that, you know, we want to reach. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm going to record some TikTok videos, like whatever, let's do it. So I, I downloaded the app. And I didn't have an account yet. Mm-hmm. So this is just a fresh account. Nothing no, not on even an account. Like you just download the app and mm-hmm. this is what you see when you go, go to the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even an account yet. So freshly downloaded the app. I opened the camera and I look at myself and I was like, God damn, like, <laughs> I look so good. You got like you the know? built-in filters and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was looking, yeah. my eyes were a bit bigger, my nose was smaller, <laughs> my jawline was more defined. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I look great. But then I looked and by default, all of these beauty filters were on by oh, default, man. you know, and know. not just some, not just, you know, ones that kind of like smooth your face, but some real like legit ones that change the shape of your face. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I had this thing that just went in my head that I was thinking, you think about a 10 year old or like a 15 year old, mm-hmm. even even a 17 year old, you know, they're going on TikTok filming a video on there, posting it, and then going to the restroom for a break, mm-hmm. looking in the mirror and thinking, God damn, like <laughs> I look so bad in real life compared uh-huh. to TikTok. And and they don't realize that it's like it's there's all these photos and stuff. That's exactly. On yeah. And it, it gives people a false perception of what reality looks like. And you know, there's mm. even like a new phenomenon called Snapchat dysmorphia mm. where What's that? basically on like Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, there's these uh-huh. beautify filters that smooth your skin, make your eyes bigger. Some of them even uh, make you look kind of like a Bratz doll. I'm sure you've seen them online. Mm. And the thing is that the people who use these filters would take them to their plastic surgeons to ask them to look more like they do in these filters. And I'm, I just think that's so unhealthy that they're seeing themselves in a fake mirror and wanting to look like that. Mm-hmm. And so like on Vlogme, we're not going to have any of those beautify filters. We think that they just shouldn't be so normalized on social media. Like it's literally catfishing. Like, <laughs> like it's fine to have fun with the filters. It's fine to, you know, ma- like do your makeup, things yeah. like that. But it's not real life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you guys realize that and then you're like, okay, let me like, this is what I'm going to build my app around. 100%. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, like my sister said, we are all for filters. We love filters. We mm-hmm. think they're really fun. And we think that a big reason why Snapchat got big is because of those filters, you know, and a big reason why, you know, a lot of Instagram stories are big is mm-hmm. because there's very popular filters on there yeah. that people like to use. And so we don't want to remove that because we still want our platform to be fun to use. We mm-hmm. want people to use our app. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to have those like puppy dog type ones, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to have some fun ones, uh, stupid ones, but yeah. we're going to, sh- you know, shy away from having completely beautify filters because mm. we, we think that those are, those are very unhealthy for 
the average person you know mm -hmm. a lot of people can use them and just say oh yeah this is just a filter yeah. but when you're very young and very impressionable it's not a, a great impression to you know build into your head yeah and so exactly. yeah i mean we're, we're gonna be focusing on fun filters and you know it might include stuff that you know shapes your nose a bit differently and mm -hmm. stuff to make you look like a reindeer you know <laughs> something like that but mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to be ones that are like my sister says like beautify filters uh -huh. or like catfishing filters so okay okay cool so you had the idea you like you start just working on it like in high school and stuff yeah so i th this was in my grade basically my grade 12 year because mm. grade 11 i was still out, dropped out of school mm -hmm. and when i went to this school I was able to finish both grade 11 and 12 in one year. Oh. And so that saved my butt because mm -hmm. then I was able to graduate high school, which was, oh, yeah. you know, uh -huh. I mean, it's not really that big of an achievement uh -huh. to graduate high school, but I mean, like my parents had no idea what they were going to do with me. They're yeah. Like, what is this kid going to do? <laughs> like, so, I mean, it, it was pretty good to have that happen. And, you know, one of the things that I really like to hear is that that school is really pushing the boundaries for what we think school is and i mean i don't know i don't think this is confidential so mm -hmm. you you obviously know about elon musk and mm -hmm. how he has kids with you know whatever whatever how do you however you say their name uh oh yeah like <laughs> X or or whatever it's uh -huh. some, like a some serial number and <laughs> then he has a school for them that he made because yeah he i, like I heard about that system. yeah the principal of that school is working with my principal Mm -hmm. because to build the curriculum to build the curriculum oh, for wow. his, his kids in that school and so that's super dope because oh, you know it's getting a lot more recognition because i feel like regular school system is is fine for a lot of people but it's not fine for a lot of people too yeah. and so I, I think having the options out there to you know have different styles of learning be more available to people mm -hmm. is such a big bonus in yeah. allowing people to create things mm -hmm. because that school was very entrepreneurial minded. I interned at my first startup there. I was a part of my first startup there. Mm -hmm. Actually, when I joined that, I, I joined a development team for mm -hmm. this platform called Artify that we were building. And it was like Spotify, but for art. So you oh. could have like, if you like looking at, I don't know, Van Gogh, then mm -hmm. it would show you things like Van Gogh and you uh -huh. can have it as your wallpaper and stuff like that. It was, oh, it was pretty cool, but it was, that was the first, you know, startup that mm -hmm. I worked for. And that's how I learned, you know, agile, the Thailand scrum. Yeah. And it's Very, where like, self-paced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And actually <laughs> my first internship at this mobile gaming company mm -hmm. was during that year in high school. And that's when I started to understand how big the numbers are in this industry, man. So mm -hmm. they had this game. It was, it's like slots and, and bingo. It's mm -hmm. called, oh, it was Slingo. Okay. Slots and bingo. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Slingo. And so they have this series called Slingo. And I started out being a QA, just a QA person for them, testing out the app. But then I was way more interested in the business side of things. So they let me join their business development team. Oh. And their biggest player base was moms and grandmas so oh, wow. if you think about like the average facebook mom mm -hmm. like kind of like that demographic and up so oh, yeah because a lot of old people play bingo yeah so. yeah mm -hmm. and it was unbelievable because out of those grandmas they were making like 15 million dollars a year off Damn. one of their apps 
and they had yeah. like six apps out and uh-huh. they were all the same just reskin <laughs> wow so much money i was like what the hell is going on uh-huh. like this is this is wild yeah and just seeing the culture of that startup you know people were in the office playing league of legends uh-huh. and stuff like that mm. i was like dude this is so cool man uh-huh. like i want to do something like this and so i mean I, I i give so much credit to that school for opening my eyes to that industry and that scene and also pushing me to to be a part of it because mm. it's pretty intimidating man like you walk in there as a high school kid uh-huh. there's all these like devs getting paid 150k <laughs> a year these guys wow. making millions you're like uh-huh. what am i like what am i doing in this place like uh-huh. how do i fit in and how, how can i possibly learn it's just so overwhelming but they kind of just throw you in they're like figure it out because you will mm-hmm. figure it out and I learned a lot from it. So, oh, so it, it was just like a completely different environment from your old high school, but you felt more welcome and more. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I were, I mean, this, a lot of this stuff is coming back right now, but I worked <laughs> at a circus startup. I, I was, remember that. Yeah, yeah. One of my, one of my mentors there uh-huh. was like, what do you, what do you call he people? He was a circus who, artist. You, what do you call people who perform on the side of a street? You know, oh, and busking. Like, busking. He was busking? a busker. So yeah. okay. he would busk. He would like, juggle and stuff uh-huh. by the harbor and so he had a circus company and i that's how i learned how to do um like inbound marketing with mm-hmm. um like mailchimp and stuff mm. and you know all these different projects that i worked on throughout the year taught me so many different skills that i'm still using today mm-hmm. even the way that i build reports and everything yeah i came up with like that system to build these reports while i was going through that school that uh, mm. curriculum and so i mean I, I just give them so much credit for you know pushing people to actually learn yeah you know, that there's so much more about learning and you know find something you like doing and get really good at it mm-hmm. because i'm a firm believer that you can do whatever you want in life and be successful and by being successful you know i mean you can make a living doing it mm-hmm. i think this doesn't really apply for me specifically but for a lot of people, if you're an artist, if you can make enough, like make as much as, you know, a teacher mm-hmm. doing art, then, I mean, you're going to be pretty happy, right? I mean, yeah. you're making a living doing your art and you just get to do art. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I feel like you can do that with whatever you want. If you want to do, you know, like podcasting, get mm-hmm. really good at podcasting. And you're going to be able to make a living from it. You just got to yeah. be able to, you know, keep improving and getting good at yeah, it. Yeah, you just got to be consistent with it and just work at it every day. And, yeah. you, you know, one of my biggest, I wouldn't say biggest regrets because mm-hmm. I was young. But one of the things I wished was that when I was making YouTube videos, I was more consistent. Because I said I uploaded like 600 videos. Mm-hmm. But that was over the, excuse me, that was over the course of maybe six years, mm-hmm. something like that. And if I was consistent, I know there would have been like big opportunities there. Like, yeah, I mean, a hundred, that's like a hundred videos per year. That's still like a really lot. That's a good, yeah, yeah. no, no. And it does, it it is quite a lot, Uh but you know, when you're doing something like that, you're competing with people who are uploading every day. Yeah. And so the way I think about it is no matter how good we are at something, Mm -hmm. you have to be so consistent because there is some you know like there's someone else doing it every day i I always Mm -hmm. think this might not be like fully pc but i always (laughs) think that there's like some 
young Asian kid on the other side uh-huh. of the world that's some prodigy who's working <laughs> 10 times harder than I am, uh-huh. way smarter than I am. And you know, I'm not the smartest person. I just need to know that I'm working harder than everyone else. Mm. And so, you know, when I was making these YouTube videos, I was really learning the algorithm. Like, I, I loved uploading because I would upload a video and it would get like, a hundred thousand views and then I'd be wow. like, okay, I'm gonna test this. <laughs> then we get five hundred thousand views. And I'm like, oh my God, this is dope. Mm-hmm. And I I would be consistently getting like tens of thousands up to hundreds of thousands of views, mm-hmm. but I wasn't consistent in uploading content. So I never built that fan base. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so yeah, man, consistency is so hard. It's so mm-hmm. hard, but it's the most important thing in my opinion. Because even if you're an artist, you know, talking about music and stuff Mm -hmm. if you make a song every single day the songs every day will be crap but if you make a song every day for 30 days the song that you make at the end of the 30 days is going to be dope versus Mm -hmm. the one that you started with yeah and so you know even though they're not big wins you do something and it's not that big of a win it's still you know pushing you forward and so i'm a big i'm a big fan of of consistency because that takes discipline man because like you don't you won't have motivation Mm -hmm. to be consistent you just won't so you really got to be disciplined in being able to do that and so i mean that that's one of the things for for really it goes for anything you know Mm -hmm. just keep doing it even though you're not getting the results you want to see because you got to test and you gotta i mean if you're not consistent then who's gonna watch you you know Mm -hmm. so yeah wow okay so you guys you you it seems like you learn like all the all the basics and stuff at like the at the school and then um how did it like progress from there like i know you guys did you guys move to the philippines right after that yeah uh-huh. yeah so i at the time it was just myself on vlog mm-hmm. me but when we moved to the philippines i was still working on it a little bit mm-hmm. um I had done a few family and friends rounds in in uh, in Canada, and so I raised less than fifteen grand just mm-hmm. from friends and family, just by reaching out, oh. and that, that that allowed me to get started and you know get a lot of things going. Mm-hmm. When we moved to the Philippines, I called my brother, and at the time he was traveling around Europe. Yeah, and I told him, I was like, "Yo, Leroy, I know you're." not in the Philippines with us right now, you're, you're working around mm-hmm. the UK, but I have this idea for Vlogme and I really think that it has legs. Mm-hmm. So do you want to join me and, you know, help me on this project? And he said, okay, sure. So mm-hmm. he got on a plane, flew to the Philippines and we invested his college funds into vlogging. Wow. <laughs> and this was actually after I invested mine. Uh-huh. And my sister was still in high school at the time. Mm-hmm. And while she was in high school, my brother and I were working on this. The new iPhones, um, th- there were new iPhones that came out. And uh-huh. so we needed to update our graphics. And so I asked her, I was like, yo, can you remake some mm-hmm. of these graphics for me? She said, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. She did it. And I was like, oh my God, these <laughs> graphics are amazing. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was doing. It was I was still in grade 12 at the time. This uh-huh. was probably like two months or something before I graduated high school. Were you focusing on like art stuff? Kind uh-huh. of. So grade 11, I the way it works in the Philippines is mm-hmm. when you reach grade 11, you have to choose a track. And oh, then okay. that's the track that, the, that prepares you for your college course. And so mm-hmm. grade 11, I took multimedia arts. 
but that school was really bad so i transferred <laughs> Uh-huh. And I transferred tracks too. So then I did accountancy and business management. Oh, okay. But at the time, I was just doing the UI UX of uh-huh. the app. And I was just taking notes from other platforms, seeing what they were doing. Uh, even if they weren't social media platforms like games, news websites, I would just take notes, see what I liked, and then made them. And then they ended up liking them. So then oh. I was part of the team. <laughs> yeah. So we recruited her right out of high school and yeah. invested in my her. college funds. So, too. so were you also always just like interested in content as well? Yeah. So when we went to that school in mm-hmm. Canada, um, I was in grade nine. So I wasn't as focused on what I wanted to do. I was mm-hmm. just kind of seeing what I was interested yeah. in. And most of it was focused on makeup because at the time mm-hmm. I wanted to be a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And so then I would make, I made a few videos. I would make um, like, different makeup looks do photography stuff like that yeah live streamed a little bit yeah live streamed a little bit in the philippines but had to stop that because it wasn't a very good platform (laughs) a lot of creeps online yeah (laughs) but um yeah i've i've been interested in content but i was always too shy to do a lot of it and like luke said be consistent and so Mm. i think actually starting on vlog me really helped because it was more on the back end it was more of just creating a platform Mm -hmm. and now that you know, I'm older and that I've made all of these screens and all of this progress with our company. Yeah. Now is when I can really start making content on Vlogme. And so I'm going to be the first Vlogme influencer. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. And you're actually working on something that like that's solving a problem that you've experienced. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, dude, it's just so exciting because this is something that we want. You know, this is something that we would use. Mm-hmm. and it's just really cool because we're building that you know like we we had this idea and it's so much more than an idea now you know like yeah it's, yeah. it's like two years full-time on this yep. so i had this idea like six years ago maybe seven years ago mm-hmm. when i was still in high school but we've been working full-time on it for about two and a half years or two years and kind of in between that that's when i started working with the record label yeah and so um i mean i guess i can talk about that a little bit yeah Um, so when we moved to the philippines it took us a little bit of time to go full on and vlog me because at the time i put it on the back burner for a while while i worked on uh, this record label with my friends and it was really funny because when i moved to the philippines the only person that we knew there was our old my, one of my childhood friends that I used to play Call of Duty Zombies with. So, oh. yeah, I mean, so it's weird because it's not weird, but, you know, in every single city that we uh-huh. go to that we've ever lived in, we always find the Filipino community. <laughs> we always somehow migrate. It's just natural. Like uh-huh. Filipinos just go to the same places <laughs> uh-huh. and stuff. And so we we always find the Filipino communities in in every city that we're, that we're in. And they just happen to be in the Filipino community in our hometown in Calgary, Alberta, Mm. uh, in Canada. And so we knew him because our parents were friends, but something like 15 years before we moved to the Philippines, he moved. So I hadn't seen him in 15 years or something (laughs) or talked to him. You know, this was a a chat, like a straight up childhood friend. Mm -hmm. And when I moved there, I went to his apartment, like maybe two days after I landed Mm -hmm. and when I got in, I walked into his apartment and they were playing League of Legends. Mm-hmm. I was like, 
I play League of Legends. <laughs> so, Wait, play with yeah, so I started playing with them. And in the Philippines, there's a third-party distributor for League of Legends. So mm-hmm. it's not Riot Games who owns the the rights in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. It's this company called Garena. Okay. And so we would be at the Garena offices in the Philippines up until like 4 a.m. in the morning playing League oh. of Legends with each other. And it was so much fun. And so one time I was out with them. We were at the, their offices, and Wait, you have to like go to the office to play or something. Well, because I I didn't know this, I didn't uh-huh. put the pieces together at the time. But they're they're there because they're celebrities, and so mm. like the Garena office would invite us to the office to play. They'd order us pizza. They'd get oh, us wow. all this stuff. They oh, just wanted like publicity us... for them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so for for me, I, I went there one time. It was the first time I went there, mm-hmm. and they had two small little rooms yeah. that had five computers in them each so mm-hmm. you could have a team on each side yeah and so we would go and we would play in there mm-hmm. and i remember i was playing with my friends and one of them after the game comes up to me he's like yo luke it was great to meet you bro but i gotta go i got work tomorrow mm-hmm. i was like okay man no worries i lived in canada before so all of my friends that had jobs they were working at gas stations or you know at like the trader joe's or mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah but so that I just figured, I was like, okay, he's going to bed. He's going to go work at the gas yeah. station in the morning or whatever. <laughs> and when I went home that night, we were at a at this uh, apartment. We still hadn't moved into our real place. And so mm-hmm. we were just staying at this apartment. And at the bottom of it, there was a 7-Eleven. And so it was like 4 a.m. or something. I, I wanted a coffee before I went up. So I walk into the 7-Eleven and I look around and I look and I see on all of these coffee packets this dude's face on it that told wow. me that he's like, yo man, I got work. I'm like, who is this Wait, guy? Is this the friend, like the childhood friend? No, no. So this is one of his friends that he introduced. Oh, me to. Okay, this is okay. his core friend group. Okay. But I was like, who is this? Guy? Like, what the hell? And so <laughs> the next time I saw him, I asked him, I was like, yo man, like, who are you? Yeah. And he told me that he did like a bit of acting and he was, he was like a singer and stuff. Okay. And turns out that this dude is like, one of the most famous people in the Philippines. (laughs) And my childhood friend Mm -hmm. is also a celebrity in the Philippines. I was like, what the hell is going on, man? Uh Everyone we meet just was kind of in that circle. Yeah, and so from almost day one of us being in the Philippines, we were just surrounded by like a completely different crowd Mm -hmm. than what I was used to. You know, I was used to like a high school crowd of people, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like the cool guy, the cool kids in high school were like people who were good at Call of Duty or something, yeah, yeah. Like, you know. And so like with with these guys, I was like, this is so weird. Like it was a completely different path, you know, than I thought that mm. we would be taking in the Philippines. I had no idea that that was in store for us. And so that's how I met them. And we just kind of bonded through playing League of Legends and mm-hmm. League of Legends, Minecraft, you name it. Like we just video get Super Smash Bros. We <laughs> we love just playing video games together. Uh-huh. And so that's kind of how we developed the relationship. And yeah. so during that time, I put Vlogmas on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And about, I'd say, a year and a half, maybe two years into, into meeting them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when my friend really wanted to start a record label called Careless Music. And... Mm. So we had talked about it and with about, we had five of us, I think, at the start or six of us that 
we decided to, you know, full on pursue this record label idea and, mm -hmm. you know, start it and kick it up. And so um, the guy who I saw in all the coffee packets, his name's James. Mm -hmm. He's he was a CEO and he started it all. Okay. So it, it's his label. And we had a, a few more you know, co-founders that were part of the founding team. Mm -hmm. And so for them, I was chief content officer. So like I was mentioning before, you know, I, I was really big in content. Yeah, I'm not a photographer. I'm not a videographer. But I was doing what I could to be in the industry, you know? Yeah. And that's why when I saw you at the Capital Factory event <laughs> taking pictures, uh -huh. I remember asking you, I was like, are you a photographer? You're like, no, not really. Uh -huh. I'm just doing this to like get in the room. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You, gotta, you don't always have to do things that you love or you're really good at. Yeah. You just got to do things that give you opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. And as long as you can get the job done, who cares, right? So. Yeah. For me, I I started doing you know content with them. I, I was telling them about this behind the scenes content and how they needed to be more active on their social media pages. I was doing a lot of PR with their fans and a lot of uh, you know social media consulting. I was kind of the liaison with us and the social media platforms. Mm -hmm. One of the coolest things I did, which isn't really cool at all, but I got like all my friends verified on Instagram, <laughs> and so they were all so Damn. happy about that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just like that that little flex, right? Uh -huh. But um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I was doing content for them. And that's when I really started to understand that people want to see behind the scenes content, you know, people connect more with this authentic content, yeah. they can relate to it. Yeah. And when we started posting that kind of content, the fans loved it, you know, they, they loved it because they could feel that, you know, these people are relatable. They're mm -hmm. not some unreachable demigod that we yeah. see on tv twice a week exactly they're regular people who if you see on their instagram stories they're playing video games you know like they're yeah, just they're, they're hanging just... out eating mcdonald's <laughs> or whatever yeah. and so you know i wanted people to see that because for me if i'm following someone i want to see that from them mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of where i got a lot of validation for the concept of vlogging because mm -hmm we are entirely you know based around genuine and authentic content and when i was seeing that this content that was easier to shoot costs no money and is very easy to edit mm -hmm. gets more views than the stuff that we pay thousands of dollars for it's like why would we ever do that why would we ever pay a thousand bucks for a photographer to follow us to like an overseas show mm -hmm. actually, i actually have a perfect example so we had this uh halftime show um like concert for the asia games basketball finals so oh, okay. the asia games is like is it called the asia games i think so yeah yeah the asia games southeast asia games mm -hmm. um this oh, was no, sea games yeah yeah the, the sea games this was the finals for the basketball tournament was hosted in macau and oh, okay. so macau is like they have so many cool casinos mm -hmm. all this really cool stuff and so for that we flew out a professional photographer and videographer to come and shoot the whole thing and you know cost costs a lot yeah and so um they went and they shot a really dope video it was mm -hmm. really well made but you know we uploaded it onto our channel and it got something like fifty thousand views in two weeks and i saw that and i was like man we have so like we have way more resources to get 50,000 views on a video like this like 
it was just not acceptable to me because you know if someone has 10 million followers mm-hmm. you get 50,000 views on something it's like yeah. okay what's wrong here uh-huh. why yeah. aren't people watching this so okay. for our next for our next shoot i went around with my cell phone camera and i just went around asking my friends to freestyle on a rap beat or asking them some dumb hypothetical questions mm-hmm. my favorite hypothetical question that i'd ask is you're stranded on a deserted island okay mm-hmm. you're you have one companion with you it's a mermaid mm-hmm. would you rather be top half fish or bottom half fish that's the hypothetical Wait, question. top half fish or bottom half fish yeah, yeah. for a mermaid you got oh. you got to think of everything. You know, how is it good? Like, oh. can, it, can it go mm. fish for you? Can it get you food? It's your only companion, bro. You're on a deserted island. It's, okay, the, only, okay. it's the only lady with you. So I'm just saying. I'd probably go dumb bottom half fish. Bottom half fish? Yeah, yeah. word, word, word. Yeah. Then, like, she can go get you food. You still got, like, someone to talk to. Yeah, it's yeah, top yeah, half fish. It's like, this is kind of weird. You know? it's, anyway, <laughs> it's his legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you got both half fish, then that's dope. That's uh-huh. just really cool. That's but just a fish. Then it's just a fish. But yeah, yeah. just stupid stuff like yeah, that. You know, uh-huh. things that, like, just get people to to be themselves mm-hmm. on camera and when i uploaded it i made two of these videos and within two days they both broke a hundred thousand views with way more engagement on it and mm-hmm. i didn't even promote this like i didn't promote it to anyone to to do this experiment i created a brand new channel on youtube to upload this on mm-hmm. and i didn't ask them to promote it i promoted it through my marketing channels like through through our record label, but yeah. not for them posting or our record label okay. posting, just through myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys, this was so easy. Like, this was so easy to do. And look at this. All these people love this content. And so that's when, for them, they were, you know, really sold on Vlogme because mm. they're like, yo, this is the content that we would rather post. I see. This is the content that our fans would rather see. And it's much easier to do. And so, you know, that's when they started to become really on board with the whole mm. concept and idea of Vlogme because there's some people who, you know, their jobs are on social media. That's where they make their money. Yeah. And so they're the people who are, you know, the most aware of, you know, the negative aspects of it. And mm-hmm. so actually two of my friends are really big mental health advocates, especially for social media. Um, and so they've had several, you know, personal uh things that have have happened that Mm -hmm. have made them really big advocates in the philippines for that and so yeah man i I mean it just seemed like such a perfect fit there was so much overlap with that and so when we started pursuing vlogme as you know a family full-time we brought all of them on as shareholders in our platform and so yeah man and so like now with with our with our we call it our celebrity shareholder network Mm -hmm. it's just my my friends from the (laughs) philippines but i mean it puffs our chest up a bit um we have over 35 million fans worldwide for just the people who are shareholders in our platform and so yeah man it's really crazy and Uh so you know on top of it being a great thing for you know like vlogging being a great platform for Mm -hmm. people we have the resources to be able to you know make this into a mainstream platform Mm -hmm. so that we actually have you know, a significant impact yeah. on our users. Yeah. Seems like you, you know, like the record label, damn it, like you surround your, yourself with all these people who had so much experience and you learn a lot from them. Did you, did you ever feel like kind of like an imposter among them, I guess? 
the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. And that has not gone away. <laughs> I think mm. that I think that everyone will have that. You know, anyone who's doing I mean, it sounds it sounds kind of it sounds kind of bad saying, you know, big things, but anyone who's really doing big things or has high ambitions is gonna feel that imposter syndrome. I'm I'm sure of it, you know, because being surrounded by those people, they all felt that way, you know, and they're some of the top people in their industry, you know, that they, they release a song, two minutes, it's number one in the Philippines, yeah. and they have imposter syndrome, you know, it's like, yeah. it, it's crazy. And, and the thing for me that was so great was, I was like the baby brother in the group. So mm -hmm. I was the youngest by like five years, the, the next youngest one actually was three years older than me. Mm -hmm. But most of them now are 27, 28. Mm -hmm. and I'm 23. Yeah. And so I got to have the, you know, benefit of the doubt of being, you know, the baby brother, they all wanted to, you know, help me, especially mm -hmm. going out and stuff, you know, being a part of the record label, there was just hundreds of really crazy nights, you know, like very, yeah. very crazy. Uh -huh. You know, you, you go to a show one time open for ASAP Ferg. And it's uh, like, okay, what do you think is going to happen after that? <laughs> like a huge party. Yeah, right? and so uh -huh. like, I mean, I got to get a lot of experience from, you know, that scene from like the business side of things. And they were all always a hundred percent supportive, you know, and I try to bring this culture into vlog me that like the whole team needs to realize that we're playing for the same team here. You know, if you make a mistake, that's our mistake. I, I don't want people to be worried about bringing up an issue because they're afraid I'm going to get mad. Mm. Why would I get mad? Like bring up the issue because we got to solve this issue, you know? Yeah. And that was the, the, you know, culture in my friend group, you know, it was, yeah. it was all, we're in this as a team, you know, mm -hmm. your mess up is my mess up. Let's, let's minimize our mess ups by, you know, being open about it, by talking yeah. about this stuff and by fixing it because Problems happen all the time. So you just got to fix them. It's yeah. not a bad thing to have problems. It's a bad thing if you can't solve problems. Mm. And so with them, you know, having that that culture there. And you guys all see each other like as equals. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Totally. And, you know, that was one of the things for me. I'm standing in this room full of people with like, I mean, people who are successful, you know, mm -hmm. they got lots of money. My friend, like three story giant house. I'm in there like, bro. Who am I surrounded by right now? These <laughs> yeah. guys are all so talented at what they do. But, but they're also wholesome and humble. They, mm. They're the most humble people I know, you know, and it really showed me that because they're very, you know, self-aware. They, they're they very, you know, in the moment. And that's one of the reasons why we mesh so well together, because they were all so genuine you know they mm -hmm. didn't want anything from me i didn't want anything from them i was just like yo man i'm just happy to have friends bro like straight up yeah. i'm happy that i get to play league with them and so, so they don't make you feel like you're not good enough or exactly you know. man exactly and mm -hmm. you know one of the the things that kind of stuck in my head the whole time i was there was you know there's that saying that you're the average of your five closest friends yeah. or something like that and this is similar to that but i always want to be surrounding myself with people who are pushing me to be a better mm -hmm. version of me, you know, people who want me to, to, you know, do, do big things, people who want to help me get to that. And, 
you know, vice versa. Like I want to help people get to their stuff. You know, I, I want mm-hmm. people to excel in whatever they're doing. And so, yeah, man, like I, I did have like imposter syndrome the whole time, but I mean, it's something that you got to be comfortable with because I don't think it's something that is ever going to go away. You know, I feel like the more successful I get, the more pressure I'm going to have. And, you know, it's one of those things where you have a reason to quit every single day, you know, like <laughs> you said, you could say, I'm not good enough. I won't be able to do this, yeah. but you can choose to look at your situation and point out all the bad things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not so much about having, like, I think having a positive mindset is really important, but I think of myself as very realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think having a positive outlook on things is great, but I think being able to see the positivity, even while being realistic is you know, one of the biggest skills, because it's very easy to have a good attitude when things are going right. Yeah. But when things are going wrong, it's really hard to have a good attitude. Did that ever happen when you were on the record label? <laughs> Always. Um, with the record label, yeah, it happened, happened a few times. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how confidential this is, so I just won't say any names. But okay. this was something that really tipped us over the edge. And I think we talked about it a little bit before. Mm-hmm. So we were opening for this big artist. Um, this worldwide artist, um, some would say that he was even number one on Spotify in 20 something. So, um, yeah, really big artist, uh, international. And he came on a world tour to the Philippines and we landed a show to open for this guy. So we got to do a full set before he he went on in Uh front of 19,000 people, sold out stadium. Yeah. And at the time we were 50% owned by a big record label. So think of it as universal as Sony, not those two, but similar size, you mm-hmm. know, and we were 50% owned by them, 50% owned by us. Mm-hmm. And we got this gig and didn't tell them about it because, you know, I had to be working with them and they treated me like an ant. Like I was like mm. some tiny little speck of dust uh-huh. comparing to this big label and they yeah. don't want to help me with anything. Mm. They wouldn't be helping us get gigs. Whenever we did get gigs, they would be taking 50%. So we're like, yo, man, mm. this is not cool. Like, you guys aren't helping us. Yeah. We're, I know, we're just like, please, all we want is help. <laughs> like, if you're going to be taking 50%, at least help us. Yeah. So we didn't tell them about this because we weren't actually getting paid for this. This was just a big opportunity. Oh, really? Yeah, we weren't getting paid oh. for it. And that's the thing. Like, we, because, okay, for artists, one of the biggest slap in the face is when people say, trust me, I'm not going to pay you, but this is good exposure. You know, artists hate that. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, there are things that are really good exposure. And sometimes you don't have to get paid for some of those things. You know, as yeah, like exactly. someone on the business end of things, you got to be able to know if you can leverage this and be able to, you know, not get paid for something, yeah, but definitely. use that exposure. The opportunity to- is more important than the money exactly and you know i'm always someone who is like okay pay the artists you Mm -hmm. know if you're gonna hire a cameraman pay them you know Mm -hmm. but there are times when you know i've 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 worked for free for so long man like you got to get that experience Mm -hmm. in and so anyway we weren't getting paid for this because it was such a good opportunity Mm -hmm. and a lot of our artists hadn't performed in front of really an audience ever ever like an audience bigger than maybe 100 people Mm. and so 
this was huge for them. But right before we went on, we had these lawyers come and, you know, bring in a stack of these papers. Yeah. We were in the green room, just drinking, uh -huh. having fun, and, you know, freestyle rapping stuff. Lawyers come in, big stack of paper, cease and desist letters for, I think, four or five of our artists saying they uh -huh. can't perform because they're under contract. These yeah. contracts that they have these artists in are so predatory, man. They're lifetime uh -huh. contracts. So people have oh, uh, people have some that are 10 years, uh -huh. 30 years, 50 years. It's like, okay, that's messed up. You know, people, it, it sucks because these people who they're getting to sign these contracts are people in the Philippines who come from a small town, like a yeah. village, straight up village. And they don't, they don't really know like what's a good contract, what's a bad contract, mm -hmm. but they just get attracted like, oh, there's money there. And, exactly. You know, so they're, they're thinking, they get tricked. Yeah, they're thinking like this is a way that I could support my family, make yeah. some money, uh, do something that I love. Mm. But they're thinking about the right now. They're not thinking about, you know, five years in the yeah. future. And yeah. so, I mean, for us, when we got that, it sucked. We had to refigure out our set. You know, we were mm. going to go on very soon. And some of the people just couldn't perform. And so it it sucked really bad. But that was kind of the last draw. We were like, okay, screw these guys, man. Like, mm -hmm. you guys are going to screw this up for us. We're not making any money from it. Like, why does it hurt you to allow us to do this? Like, if we were, if they were really rooting for us, this would be an opportunity to get us much more popular yeah. and make them more money. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it just couldn't see on the same level. And so, I mean, after that, that's when we went full on on becoming fully independent. And yeah. within a year, about a year after that, we became the largest independent record label in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of a big F you <laughs> to the big guy. But yeah, man, it was... Uh, so you guys are way bigger than than them now. They don't have any artists that are as big as our artists. Uh -huh. um, they have more... Because they're more tied to like the corporate showbiz scene. So if you think about like where their music is going like they have they have songs in tv shows that are in the philippines and stuff mm -hmm. like that so by that standard mm -hmm. and by artist standard they have way more artists they have thousands okay so they're they're bigger but we're the largest independent record label and for music completely blows them away like wow. they they <laughs> are just in a different level like or we are at a different level and so mm -hmm. I, I mean one of the big things in the philippines is for people is trying mm -hmm. to break out of the philippines you know how can mm -hmm. you get how can you get recognized like a k-pop artist is recognized you know mm -hmm. like think about how they broke out of korea you know philippines hasn't had that yet so we're really going for you know international level music mm -hmm. because a lot of the music that's in the philippines is made for the philippines which is fine but we just had you know different different aspirations different different ideas on what we wanted to do and so it was way better to become independent I see. and now we're able to do whatever the hell we yeah, want yeah, you know uh -huh, and yeah. so, so it, it's been much much better being able to do that well so in that situation you know you you're like super stressed you're like man like you know they, they can't perform um how did you like i guess react to that and like what what made you be like oh man like you know we don't need them like you know like how did you like overcome that fear and that like uncertainty in that moment? Um, I, we you know we were we were pretty bummed 
at the fact that they would actually do something like that. Mm -hmm. And we weren't worried about going independent. We kind of wanted to be independent the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a big thing for, for that was, you know, we had to just do everything ourselves. We weren't going to get any help from anyone. Mm -hmm. So sponsorships, gigs, producers, Mm -hmm. the cost for making all of this stuff, you know, we, we couldn't just have, we didn't have a budget anymore. We didn't have a budget of, okay, you can spend X amount at the studio, X amount with engineers. You can do X amount getting it mastered and everything for promotion. Like it was all ourselves. And so it was a lot more work, but it was a way better learning experience because you know, we already had all the brand recognition, like all the brands knew about us. We didn't really need this label to get us sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And so like, it was just a, a way better thing in general for us to be able to, you know, be independent. Mm-hmm. But it was scary, man, because, you know, it, it's kind of like going from a job to becoming an entrepreneur, you know, you have a, a salary coming in or, you know, mm-hmm. the salary coming in. And then it's like, now you don't. And now you have this whole team. You have all these artists. These artists got to eat, man. And yeah, like, yeah. They got to get gigs. And so you got to find them gigs. And it's it's difficult as hell, man. So, yeah. you know, that was a lot of work. But it was so, so worth it. Well, okay. I think our, our camera is like, <laughs> is dying. <laughs> all right. So we took a quick break because our camera died. And now we charged it so it's got some more life now hopefully it doesn't die again perfect but um yeah let's just pick off from where we left off um i know you guys are making a lot of content now for vlog me you know you guys have a lot of instagram stuff um and you guys have a good amount of audience watching you now so i guess you guys have like a strategy for how you post content um what's like yeah how do you go about that yeah, well, one of the biggest things right now, actually, recently that mm-hmm. we've been doing is my sister just brought on a couple interns from UT. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you know, actually, my yeah. si- they're my sister's age, which is cool. And that means that they're on, you know, TikTok all the time. They're mm-hmm. on Instagram and, you know, not really Facebook, but, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram, TikTok. Yeah, Facebook's kind of dead for our age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there are people who really keep up with trends. Yeah. And what's popular and so in our slack they're always sending you know videos of like strategies like they'll send a they'll download a tiktok and then they'll send in the group and we'll be like we should do something like this for vlogging like it's just always Mm -hmm. strategizing like you dissect the video and like oh this it's this thing about this video that allowed it to gain gain attention those elements and combining them yep yep Yep. and a lot of the stuff with you know updates you know company updates and stuff like that on our instagram and stuff it's a lot of testing to see what posts people like Mm -hmm. because you get into a you know this weird feedback loop with yourself when you want to post content that is like an update that you would want to that you would want to see but you know what if someone's following our vlogging page on instagram they're following it because they want to see content from it you know it has to be a page that when they're scrolling through their feed, it's not just company updates. You know what I mean? We don't just want to say, hey, we have this new feature or, hey, we just did this or just did this. We want to talk about things that people care about Mm -hmm. because as a company, what we want to share with people isn't necessarily the stuff that they want to see. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to know about that is to test it. 
you know, test for yeah. content. It does well because you need to post consistently, but by posting consistently, you're going to have a lot of bad posts mm-hmm. and then you're going to have some good posts. And then it's up to you to just keep making those good posts and keep mm-hmm. making more of those good posts. And so you find what works and just kind of keep doing that until you find stuff that, that really works out for you. And so what my sister does is she plans out like a full month of post mm. and she schedules them. So actually shout out to Hello Woofy, shout out to Arjun. Yeah, shout out to Arjun, <laughs> shout out to Hello Woofy. Uh-huh. They're they're a startup. They're really cool. I think they just hit like 50,000 in revenue every month. Wow. So they're they're killing it right now. Um main demographic is Facebook moms. So <laughs> very cool. But Yeah, they're basically just a social media um like scheduling platform mm. For campaigns content and so i use that uh, a lot to schedule content for all of our social media platforms like instagram facebook twitter mm-hmm. um and it really helps because you can see when it's going to be uploaded and you can also use their ai to uh suggest different emojis or different mm-hmm. hashtags that you should be using that'll get you the most engagement so you, got, you said you guys use instagram and twitter and facebook is that like the main ones Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and we're trying to get more on TikTok now. Okay. Yep. Yep. And so she'll plan like a month of posts in advance. And then throughout that month, we post things individually as well. So then we at least have posts for that whole month. Mm-hmm. So if we don't do anything for that whole month and don't post any individual posts, at least we, we're still consistent. So she schedules that. And then in between those, when we have ideas throughout the month, mm-hmm we create those and upload them. And so we have two ways, the consistent way that is just scheduled content. And then in the moment type stuff where we go online and we post it ourselves. Yeah. Those two together is a really good mix because you stay consistent and then you're not scrambling every day to think of, okay, we need a video idea. We need a video idea. We need to do this. Mm -hmm. You can take a little bit of time to figure that out and create good content. So you have mm. really good content that's engaging, and then you have your consistent content, which keeps people, you know, in the loop. So okay, what's like, what what's the thing that you think gets the, gets the most engagement? Is it like skits or something? Like that? Yeah, um, definitely videos uh-huh. get good engagement. Um, on our post a picture of your butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> but um, on our Instagram, usually it's pictures of the team that get the most engagement and likes. Mm-hmm. Um, Behind the scenes videos do too. And that kind of just proves vlogging's whole concept, you know? It's not the the perfect pictures that get the most engagement. It's pictures of what we're up to, like the team, our journey. And those ones get the most engagement by far. Mm. Is, yep. is content like your guys' main way of growth and like building an audience right now? Or do you guys have like other ways of marketing? Yeah, so um, right now, the way that we're building out our, I would say our, our target demographic here mm-hmm. locally and in Austin and kind of in the North American scene is mm-hmm. through content, but for the Southeast Asia scene, um, we've built it through our, you know, our, our friends and yeah. our record label and stuff. And so we're really going to be leveraging that mm. from, for our initial user base. But um, for growing here in the U S we're doing a lot more of word of mouth type stuff yeah. uh, in real real time just organic stuff yeah Yeah, organic stuff yeah we're gonna start out at ut especially because you know the interns that we've just brought on our students there and we Mm -hmm. have a lot of ideas on how to get it known in the campus so then it'll just be a a small group first but um at least we'll still have a user base in north america as well 
Yeah, mm, and you okay. know, starting in the Philippines is great because a lot of big companies will they'll test their products in the Philippines mm-hmm. because in Manila it's a very Americanized audience. Yeah. And so the culture online is very similar to the culture that you see here mm-hmm. in the US. And so mm. on top of that, they're very English speaking. So all of the content or a lot of the content is already in English. And yeah. so when we build our initial demographic there and our user base there, it's going to be great for, you know, going into the US and having an already established user base on our platform. So that's going to be a big benefit for us. But mm. in here in Austin, what we're trying to focus on is, I guess, like kind of the mantra is start local, expand global. And yeah. so we want to start local with local press, with doing you know, things like this, you know, like yeah. at, as much local stuff that we can do to, you know, get our name out there, mm-hmm. spread word of mouth, do yeah. stuff at UT and, you know, go to trade shows, stuff like that, um, like the startup crawl and mm-hmm. really expand our network through through that because just through word of mouth, you know, on our private test flight beta, mm-hmm. we only had like around 100 people on it, which, mm-hmm. was, which wasn't much, but that's, we didn't invite anyone to that. Like mm-hmm. those are just our like close friends and family. Mm-hmm. And if we invited the people who we wanted to invite onto our beta, we'd have over a thousand for sure. Yeah. And so starting local with that is a great idea for us because it will allow us to get a consistent user base here while really growing our user base in Southeast Asia. So, yeah. and that's really where we're planning on getting the bulk of our initial users. Yeah. And if you can, if you can leverage like your location, you know, and be like, um, like, yo, Austin, you know, people like they feel proud, like, oh, Vlogmas in Austin. I'm exactly. in Austin. Yeah. You know? They feel that connection totally then that's gonna bring them closer to you guys 100 percent, 100 percent, and that's what you know we're really trying to go for we don't mm-hmm. want to be known as a filipino app we mm-hmm. don't want to be known as even you know in in the u.s mm-hmm. we don't even want to be known as like the an asian social media app mm-hmm. we're just a social media app you know what i mean and yeah. so we want to become our goal is to break into the mainstream you know mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that i see online for the whole mental health and digital well-being community in the startup scene is there's lots of startups that have great intentions you know they have like lumosity luminosity luminosity yeah i think i've heard of them yeah so you play games to sharpen your mind on their Mm -hmm. memory games stuff like that you can download routine tracking apps Mm -hmm. or you know fitness apps but the problem is the biggest demographic on tiktok like i mentioned before is 10 to 24 year olds Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get a 10 year old to use a routine tracking app every single mm-hmm. day. You know, when I was 17, I wasn't using Lumosity or Luminosity every single day. Yeah. And that's as a 17 year old kid, you know? So, I mean, you're not going to get these people to consistently use these mental health or these digital well being mm-hmm. apps. And so, in theory, they have a great effect on their users. Mm-hmm. But if people don't use them consistently, mm-hmm. they really have no effect. Yeah, And so for us, we had to build our platform with our core being the foundation, being authenticity mm-hmm. and genuine content so that everything that we build up from the foundation can be based around fun, because if it's not fun, people aren't going to use it. And so that's really our, our main goal with Vlogme is mm-hmm. to become a mainstream platform that, you know, people go on and they don't think of it as 
a mental health app. Yeah. They think of it as a social media app that's fun. And actually, I don't know if we mentioned previously, but the way that on Blogme, we kind of enforce the, the genuineness and the authenticity on our platform is that our users are only allowed to post content that's taken from directly inside of our in-app camera. So you can't mm -hmm. upload anything from your camera roll or that's been photoshopped or there's no reposts. It all has to be taken in the moment. Yep. Mm, okay. But like, don't you feel like even though you can only use the content like that's in the app, like people can still like it can still be taken out of context though, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, definitely like mm -hmm. the the big thing that we are we're doing is mm -hmm. if you think about something like Instagram, mm -hmm. Instagram is built for posting the perfect picture. Yeah. You know, you're on a movie set, might pose for a picture you're at a wedding. Mm -hmm. You know, the wedding photographer goes around, takes pictures of everyone. Yeah, it's for posting that picture. But Vlogme is built for posting the process of what went into making that final product. So mm. instead of seeing the wedding photographer's perspective mm -hmm. of that wedding, we were all there together. I could go to your profile and I could see your perspective of that whole day at that wedding. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you had a really hectic morning. Maybe you showed up to the wedding late and yeah. the bride was pissed off at you and smacked you in the face. <laughs> when you see a picture that a wedding photographer takes, you don't see that. When you're seeing the behind the scenes of this stuff, you get to see that kind of stuff. And mm. so, you know, there's so many applications for it in you know the real world like if you think about for sporting activities like what's your favorite sport soccer okay so yeah. soccer let's say uh -huh. when you're watching soccer on tv mm -hmm. if i'm watching i don't know like the fifa world cup yeah how cool would it be if while i'm watching it on my tv in real time i can go on vlog me and go to who competes in the FIFA World Cup? Brazil, right? <laughs> Team Brazil from Team the Brazil. sideline. Yeah, yeah. So, so you could see, yeah. you could go to Team Brazil's profile and see in real time what's going on in their, on their sidelines. Mm -hmm. You know, they just need a person vlogging on the side. Maybe during halftime, the coach is pissed at them. You know, they're not mm -hmm. performing well. You don't get to see that kind of stuff when you're just watching on TV. You get to see mm -hmm. advertisements. Yeah. But if you're watching something like the Super Bowl, you can see what's going on behind the scenes in real time yeah. while you're watching it on TV. And so you kind of have your own VIP access yeah. to, you know, what's going on. Even UFC events, man. Like, I see. So yeah. it, it's really cool because there's so many different applications for this. And we built it in a way for people to be able to express their creativity mm -hmm. on it. So is there like, you guys have like a, like a follower following thing on there? Or like, um, is there a way for like certain people to like, blow up more i guess and i like get more attention yeah so we are in our, our feed is chronological uh -huh. and like we 100 percent mean that so uh -huh. if you're on tiktok it's 100 algorithm based mm -hmm. you know you go through and it curates content based on mm -hmm. what you want to see but a lot of people just want to see the posts from who they're following you mm -hmm. know people want that chronological feed they want to see if someone posted recently i want to see that even if the algorithm algorithm doesn't think i'm gonna like that mm -hmm. and so for example on instagram if i post a picture the first 50 people who see it have a lot of influence on who else is going to see my post because yeah. if 50 out of the 50 people who see it like my post mm -hmm. instagram marks that as a good post yeah so then they'll show it to people but if 20 people out of the 50 people show it mm -hmm. then it's not going to show it to all my followers yeah and so it's you know it's one of those things where it's it allows people to see better content or air quotes better content mm -hmm. 
but you're not seeing all the content that people post. You know, sometimes you might see a post from someone who you've been friends with for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, go to their profile because they posted a picture and you see like three posts that you never saw. Yeah, it happens yeah. to me all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I never saw these posts and I'm following these yeah, guys. Yeah. Uh, you'd think that I'd see this, but you know, I, and on Vlogme, so we just have a chronological feed. So it allows people to see, you know, true to life, mm-hmm. who's posting in, at, at what times. Okay. And, and for that, it's great. But if you want to use it as just your own digital scrapbook, have it personally for yourself, mm-hmm. you can make your account private so no one else can see it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want to make it where it's only your close friends, like on mm-hmm. Instagram, you can have it. We call that your crew. Yeah. Or if you want it to be, you know, your your public, you know, a profile mm-hmm. and become, you know, some sort of blogger, some sort of influencer. Yeah. You can do that as well. And so. Okay. Because my question is like, you know how on like all these platforms like Instagram, TikTok, the people who are the most popular, the people who have the most following, like the content, the like they have all this attention because they're making like very like curated content, right? Mm-hmm. Things that are like that look really nice. Yep. And I mean, on Vlogme, is it like, do you think the people who are like the most popular on Vlogme, like, um, like they'll have that or would it just like, how would that work? I think that the biggest thing for people on Vlogme is it's going to be more of a thing where people are going to be more comfortable with what they're posting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still room for them to post their, their perfect pictures. You know, mm-hmm. Instagram's still going to exist. Yeah. And we built Vlogme to be able to coexist with Instagram. The thing that I don't like about platforms like TikTok is they've created this culture where people just want to get famous so bad. Mm-hmm. They just want to become famous. They don't know why. They don't know for what, what they want to be famous for. They just want to be famous. They want to have fans. You know, they want to have haters. You know, people always like to talk about their haters. It's like, mm-hmm. who, right? Like, but I don't like that because the way that people got famous before, the way that people became well-known is if you were a part of a community, whether it's the chess community, whether it's, you know, I don't know, like dancing, dancing, right? board whatever. games, whatever, the way that you would get popular is you would become someone who is the best at whatever skill that is. If it's dancing, you become the best dancer and people around you would know that you're the best dancer. And you would gain credibility within that community. You don't have to be the best. You could be a jokester or something, Mm -hmm. right? You could be whatever, just a personality. But people in that community would start to know who you are. And if that community was big enough, then you would be well-known. You'd be a public figure. You'd be famous. Mm -hmm. But people now just want to skip the whole skill development part and just be famous. Just be famous. And Mm -hmm. for what? You know, if you're famous on TikTok for, I don't know, doing fake pranks mm-hmm. what skill are you developing you know and yeah. i worry because a lot of people get caught in the idea that i'm gonna become famous i'm gonna have all these fans and i'm gonna make these videos people are just gonna like me for me mm-hmm. the problem is there's always someone new that's gonna be hot you know someone is gonna be the the new like and i i, I mean i mean hot as in trending but it goes both ways because mm-hmm. there's always gonna be a new instagram model you know there's always gonna be new people that are in that community and so those aren't yeah. lasting gigs you know those aren't they're not developing skills that will help them you know continue that and parlay mm-hmm. that into other stuff and so i always tell people when they're trying to grow their followings make sure you're building some sort of skill 
alongside that. Yeah. You know, don't just become famous. Not for the views. Not, not for the, the money. views, you know? And, like, it's it's okay if you're mm-hmm. focused on the money, you know? I think I think that it's fine. You don't always have to be so passionate about creating. You know, you could want to do stuff for for the money, but you have to make sure that you're developing a skill yeah. that will be able to be sustainable. Because, you know, I see this all the time. You know, people just, even in music, people just want to be famous. They want to make a song that gets mm-hmm. big. When was the last time you heard a little pump? <laughs> I liked Little Pump. I really did. Yeah. Like I thought his music was fun. Uh-huh. I haven't heard anything about him in so long. Yeah, you know, he and fell off. <laughs> yeah, he did. And uh-huh. I, I mean, like, no hate on on Little Pump, but like, it's just people have to be aware that those aren't lasting jobs. You know, you can get really hot and really popular, and in a year, nobody's gonna remember you. Mm-hmm. And so, I really urge people that when you're trying to build a following, don't get caught up in trying to become famous. You can aspire to be famous and well-known, but do something. You know, if you are if you play video games, do something in the video game community so that people will know you in that community. Yeah. You know, like, do something where you're contributing to that community that is getting you to become popular. Mm-hmm. If you're focused on getting famous, you might, you might, but it's not going to last. And mm-hmm. for the people that it does last for, it's a very low percentage of people. I mean, do you really want to do something where you have a 5% chance of becoming successful? Like, why don't you work on stuff so that you can increase that probability? And if it doesn't work out, you're still levels above where you were before. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. And so th- that's one of the biggest things that I try to tell people when they're asking about how to grow their, their following online. Mm-hmm. Really focus on building your skill set because that doesn't disappear you know the, the whatever yeah. you learn doesn't go away exactly yep cool, cool. all right so um we were talking about this earlier but how do you guys deal with hate on instagram or whatever it is like <laughs> how do you react to that it's it's funny because i i mean i uploaded a lot of videos on youtube before but mm-hmm. I, I was never big enough to the point where there were people legitimately hating on me I get hate comments, people saying this video sucks and stuff, mm-hmm. but I mean, that stuff, if that's affecting you as a content creator, that's something that you really have to learn to get over because if you can't get over it, it's not the right industry for you because you're going to be dealing with hate all the time. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to understand when things are legitimate criticisms mm-hmm. saying, okay, these guys are right. Well, constructive criticism there's a difference between just people doing it for the sake of doing it or someone actually like actively trying to help you yeah yeah and being able to because a big skill is being able to know personally what advice you want to take yeah you gotta know who to trust and who not to trust exactly yeah. and you know it's really easy for people to send hate messages to you and it's really easy for them to make you feel like things are going to go really bad you know, they're talking about reaching out to news outlets and sending mm-hmm. you this picture. They're talking about, they're messaging my family. My family gets messages about mm-hmm. me. My friends, like, if I'm getting messages on Instagram, like DMs, people saying, like, you're an idiot, whatever, like some death threats, I don't care about that because, I mean, why should you? You know, like, there's no reason to care about that. For me, it was more of entertainment. I would look at it and I'd just be like, 
these people are so dumb. <laughs> like, like they have no idea what's going on in my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know what you know? You know what I tell you. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything else, you know? And so you just got to get in the mindset where you don't have to prove anything because people get so proud and they have this ego where someone says, oh, you, d- you did this, you did that. Mm-hmm. And it's a lie. And you want to prove them wrong. Yeah. Why? Why do you have to prove them wrong in the comment section of your post? who so so your five fans that read it can see how like how you're right and in the right like Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it's your own ego because if you're letting those hate comments affect you you're allowing those people to control you you know you don't have control of your emotions yeah so it's one of it's it's a skill it's really a skill to be able to take a step back and think okay why am i letting these guys get under my skin yeah, why does their opinion matter you can't yeah. control what other people do but you can control the way that you react to it exactly yeah. and so it, it's and, and it really is my friends told me like it's just an ego thing because why you don't need you don't ever have to feel the need to explain yourself you you don't i mean you might feel like you do but yeah, and and you, you want to, you want. you want to so bad. Trust me, I get these messages, and I'm like, these people have no idea. Like, I could type something back and be like, oh yeah, I just owned them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what is that doing for me? It's just taking time out of my day. I'm thinking about it. This person gets satisfaction because I'm replying to them. That's what they want. Yeah. So when I do that, it just drives more of that type of content. Yeah. So I think the main idea here is you have to put yourself first. Hundred percent. Right. You. Like if you if you put other people's judgment and opinions and like things like that above you and be like, oh, I need to like reply to this person and, you know, and use my resources and my time to expend that. And you have to think about like, oh, what is the cost of that on myself? And is that really worth it? Exactly. So 100 percent. And mm-hmm. it's it's hard. It's really hard because you see things and it, it's hard for me to even think about how something that people could say could get under my skin because thinking about it now you know someone sends me a message saying they hate me or whatever that wouldn't get under my skin Mm. but these people are really good you know like they know how to get under your skin and so like they will they will you can't think that you're just going to shut out the haters and you're going to be okay Mm -hmm. because they will get under your skin but it's just about how you react to it you know it's just about you you got to know which battles to, to pick you know you don't always have to fight these battles because what what is winning an argument against some random person on a Facebook comment going to do, you know? And so it's, it's something that, you know, people can, can learn, but it's, it's more of don't let those people control how you feel. You got to be in the pilot seat, you know, you don't want to be in the yeah. passenger seat for your emotions. And so if you can take a step back and just breathe, you know, there've been times when I've gone on my phone, mm-hmm. I, someone sends me some dumb stuff and i go and reply uh-huh. and then i just put my phone down i sit back and i'm like okay <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> delete that mm-hmm. and then i'll just delete it and then move on and you know what's funny i don't think about it anymore after that because it's done it's gone and but alternatively here's the thing sometimes it's fun to reply to them because you you can actually use it to get engagement on your post mm. so there's a way to leverage it yeah. yeah so if you if you know how to leverage it mm-hmm. it can actually be a, a tool that you use yeah. i mean i don't know how this would be for someone who has 15 million fans and they got a, a bunch of haters but they're like haters what they'll do is they'll have groups so like it's a group of people they'll all create random accounts mm-hmm. and then they'll go to your profile and send you a whole bunch of this stuff yeah and 
like once you kind of understand that they're probably 15 or younger they're probably you know people who are just jealous you know who has the time to do that who has the time to think about all this stuff and send it once you kind of put a little bit of reasoning into it about who's doing this stuff you kind of start feeling bad you kind of start thinking yeah. like this is <laughs> this is what this person has you know like yeah. i mean i love i love trash talking i love trolling mm -hmm. like when i play league of legends i'm in all chat <laughs> typing to people like yeah i'm the biggest douchebag online but it's all in fun it's it's, it's mm -hmm. all for fun but there's a difference when someone is legitimately trying to bring someone down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And most people who are doing that are like pretty young people who yeah. are like, they don't really understand like the consequences and like why. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know that it kind of brings you to think like all of these young TikTok celebrities mm -hmm. who are in that young demographic who are dealing with that at such a young age, you know, like for me, I didn't start dealing with it until I was like 19. Mm -hmm. And so I was already kind of old enough and my friends obviously mm -hmm. there with way more experience were able to kind of coach me and teach me that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's, it's one of those things where if you're 15 or like 13 mm -hmm. and you're an influencer, that's some really negative stuff that's getting put down your ear every yeah. single day. And so, you know, that's one of the things on social media where the demographic is getting so young, you know, you see 10 year olds with, a newer iphone than i have <laughs> yeah you know like they're getting iphones every single uh -huh. year and i mean it, it's just so important that we're conscious that this stuff is happening because i mean i i didn't mention this stat but when i was doing research into the mental health issues caused mm -hmm. by social media in some very serious cities around the us and the uk mm -hmm. very populated cities there have been an increase of up to 400 percent for adolescents self-checking in for self-harm in mm. hospitals and suicide rates and you know 400 percent is on the upper end yeah. but on the, like the conservative side since 2005 it's gone up 150 percent across the board yeah. and that sucks man these are young yeah. people and it just shows that you know we gotta we gotta think about the sustainability of social media you know we, we can't mm -hmm. keep having people have such you know negative experiences online causing so much issues to their mental health and they don't even really know what's going on you know yeah. they're just coming out on the other side anxious mm -hmm. and depressed you know and do you foresee that happening on blog me like seeing hate and like how would you yeah about that yeah well so the two things we have hard stops on mm -hmm. is violence and nudity mm -hmm. so those two we have you know an api that can detect yeah if it's if it's a violence or nudity it mm -hmm. has like a 98 percent success rate on that so it's very it's very accurate mm -hmm. but for bullying we're going to do a report system and so if you know a certain percentage of people who see the post report it then it gets sent to us for us to review because mm -hmm. bullying isn't a black and white thing like nudity bullying is a very subjective area. thing because if mm -hmm. we're homies i could be bullying you but you're in on the joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if someone calls me like something that is really bad, mm -hmm. but they're my friend, it's not bullying, you know, it's like, that's our humor. And mm -hmm. so it's hard for us to, 
do that without any context. And so that's why the report system is so big for, for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, we also but, have a lot of like privacy settings that you can really adjust your content to mm -hmm. choose who you want to be able to interact or see it. Mm. Like if you wanted, you could have only the people who you follow see your content or only your close friends. Like I know that Instagram is close friends. Yeah. We call them my crew. And so only, only your crew can see what you upload and, or only your crew can comment on it. Mm -hmm. And we'll also be implementing in the future. Um, so on Vlogme, we have reactions similar to like Facebook. You react mm -hmm. with like a heart, a happy face. Um, but soon we're going to make it so that you can choose the reactions that people can give to you. And mm. so if you wanted it to be all positive reactions, all different colored hearts, it's yeah. just different emojis. And so I think that'll also be something that will let people make their profile kind of aesthetic, like they can have fun with it, but also cut down on the bullying mm -hmm. and let people take control over how yeah. people can interact with them. And, and actually yeah. a big thing that is kind of built into the foundation of Vlogme is something like Twitter. In my opinion, Twitter is one of the most toxic social medias. Ever. Yeah, I was thinking about yeah. that actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I actually, so I I used to be, like I used to have a decent, like, consistent following on Twitter, mm -hmm. but I stopped for the past three or four months completely, even just opening it because I was realizing how negative it was, uh, like impacted me. I was like, mm -hmm. this every time I go on this, I feel worse when I get off. I feel like crap, you know. Yeah. If it's not these like k-pop fans mm -hmm. on under every single post that i see it's people just completely like being so mean to each other yeah do you think that's like the problem of twitter because i was like i was listening to like the the joe rogan podcast where he had jack dorsey yeah yeah and jack dorsey was like oh because i want people to have like the freedom of speech you know and i want people to be able to say like whatever they want i guess yeah. so he's his minus his mindset is like he wants to like censor things as little as possible but you know when that happens you have things like this that happen yeah where it's like man every time you get on like all this hate coming like you know there's so many people getting off twitter because of that yeah and so like how much do you guys want to like control that i guess right well i'm actually a very i'm not a big fan of how twitter does their censorship mm -hmm. i think that it is very i think it's very flawed it's very subjective and i think that it's also, it's not, it's not very, uh, what would you call it? It's not even, you know, I, I think that they, the issue with that is when you're censoring, think of Twitter, they're, they're a company, right? Mm -hmm. We are also a company. We're just people, mm -hmm. you know, someone's making that decision. And so who gets to decide what is too far and what is not too far? A person. And that person can have whatever views, you know, mm -hmm. we're all reasonable people, but I'm sure we have different views on a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So maybe someone that I wouldn't ban, you would ban. Yeah. And maybe someone who you wouldn't ban, I might ban. Yeah. And so who gets that power? And that's a really slippery slope because, you know, we all have our biases no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so it is really hard to, to judge who you want to censor. And so the censorship on Vlogme we we're, we're not going to be uncensored you know we don't allow nudity mm -hmm. we don't want violence we don't want blatant you know racism to people but we want people to be able to express themselves yeah if you have a bad idea you should be able to have that bad idea you know mm -hmm. i don't want to censor you from having a bad idea yeah we, i can disagree with it and think it's a bad idea and it doesn't have to be you know detrimental to the society yeah but the cool thing about vlogme is that built into our 
you know, foundation, you have to record and upload pictures and videos taken directly from inside of our in-app mm-hmm. camera. So on Twitter, you have a profile picture. You could put some anime person up on there. Mm-hmm. You could have your name as Jim Bob seven nine eight four, right? Yeah. And you can go on, and now you're completely anonymous. You mm-hmm. can say whatever the hell you want. You can be super toxic. You can be really nice. You can mm-hmm. do whatever. On Vlogme, there's a face behind this. If you're posting bad ideas, you have to record yourself posting bad ideas. Mm. So there's a face behind it. There's accountability. Yeah. And so it's going to drive people away from blatantly being, you know, racist trolls, you know, blatantly from, you know, straight yeah. up harassing it's, people. It's a lot harder to hide things. Exactly. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why on Facebook, the content that you see on Facebook is pretty negative because mm-hmm. what people share is stuff that makes them upset. When something makes you upset or kind of pissed off, you see like someone treating an animal wrong. Mm-hmm. You want to share that because it, it makes you upset. If you see something that makes you really happy, the likelihood of you sharing it is actually lower than if it makes you pissed off. And mm-hmm. so on Facebook, the content that gets big is content that really hits people in their emotions. Mm-hmm. But in the comments, it's not actually that toxic. You know, the content that you see on Facebook is pretty toxic, but not really the comments so much. Mm. The reason behind that is because most people are using their real accounts when they're commenting on Facebook. So you yeah. can look on their profile and see I their see. friends and family and their name. Mm. And so because there's that accountability on Vlogme, we think that a lot of the people who have, you know, unpopular, uh, you know, bad views uh, about stuff, they can have those bad views if it's well thought out. If they mm-hmm. truly believe in it, who am I to say that it's something that you can't believe in? Yeah. But now there's accountability behind that. If I want to talk about my political views or my views on censorship on social media, I have to put my face on that. Yeah. And so w- we think that that alone will drive away a lot of the the trolling toxicity mm. and bring you know real conversation forward. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good idea. I think Thanks. a lot of a lot of social media or just companies in general they need to like have more accountability in, in just built into their system um but yeah let's talk about gumdrop and yeah. acquiring it Hell so yeah. uh if you guys don't know Vlogme recently acquired gumdrop which we actually interviewed the founder of gumdrop kangle two kangle. episodes ago so y'all should go check that out but um this was like very recent right and so i guess how did how did the idea behind acquiring them begin and what um what value do you see in it that's like man like that's so important to us so one of the biggest things Mm -hmm. for us when even starting the discussion Mm -hmm. about acquiring gumdrop was that we really liked the energy that kangle brought Mm -hmm. to you know our meetings and stuff We, we would be talking to him about vlogging about you know gumdrop that was his at the time and how you know, we could improve things at Vlogme and we just love his energy in meetings. And so um, after we got to meet his team, we got to talk to, you know, his interns, his devs, um, also his co-founder. We really liked their team. We thought that their team was very strong and we thought that we could use their team to really inflate the value of Vlogme, you know, really pump ourselves up, mm-hmm. get us a better product, and you know speed things up for our our platform and so when we got into conversations about 
you know, acquiring them, it wasn't specifically just about their IP. It mm-hmm. wasn't specifically just about, you know, wanting to get their platform and their user base. A big part of it was acquiring their team because we were so, we, we meshed so well with them. And mm. there were places that a lot of their, you know, team members were able to fill at Vlogme. Mm. And so. Yeah, that's actually where the interns that I'm working with came in. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. And, and so um, at the time, Kangle and his co-founder were looking at, you know, exiting Gumdrop. They were they were going to put it on the back burner for a while. Oh, yeah. I remember him telling me that. Yeah. yeah. And so he he wanted to, you know, do something with it. Mm. And that's kind of when the conversation came up of Vlogme acquiring them. And, you know, because we, we do see the potential in in a platform like gumdrop Mm -hmm. we 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 liked that they were able to ship a product you know something that a lot of startup ideas never get to is shipping a product Mm -hmm. and so the fact that they were launched on the app store the lead dev has a lot of experience in the the mobile startup world and so um, being able to have him as an advisor, as well as you know the the team members of Gumdrop, be able to work for Vlogme now mm-hmm. was a, a huge thing. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a great win win situation for for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're we're excited. We're not actually going to be Gumdrop is still live on the mm-hmm. App Store, but we're not going to be pushing out um, any like real updates for it mm-hmm. uh, for the time being we're going to be focusing on vlogging right mm-hmm. now but in the future we see a pretty cool overlap on being in, uh, able to implement gumdrop as a feature on vlogging and so i see so actually have... like combining it into one thing as yeah. well as keeping it two separate yeah exactly yeah. because you know vlogging is a very complex platform mm-hmm. so you know when you think about a platform like clubhouse clubhouse could be a feature on vlogging you know, and that's mm. kind of how we see Gumdrop. You know, Gumdrop can become a feature on vlogging in the future. And so mm. now that we have the IP, you know, all of the all the source code and everything, it's something that we can discuss on implementing into our platform in the future. And so mm. you give us more flexibility. Also, it gives us um, credibility with being able to, you know, say we we acquired a company and it was a really good kickstart into getting us to really tackle our onboarding process because onboarding people is really hard and especially with interns mm-hmm. it's difficult when you've never done it before yeah. and so we, we learned a lot from that from that whole uh, situation and so that was great but yeah all in all we're really happy with the gumdrop team we're we're so happy that we have it acquired my home screen on my phone <laughs> people won't be able to see it but you know i got gumdrop and vlog me oh yeah super dope right yeah. and so like it's uh it, it, it was a really great feeling and so um i mean we we as a team thought that it was going to be something that was worthwhile for us to pursue and we we drafted up all of the you know MA documents mm-hmm. um and we got it done pretty quick you know it was oh. a pretty pretty fast <laughs> process to get um to get gumdrop and so now as vlogme yeah. corporation as our company we actually have three apps so we have vlogme we have a gumdrop and we have one called optionary mm. and optionary is this one that my aunt developed actually oh, wow. and it's this platform that allows you to 
uh, learn English, but on the phonetic side. So how to pronounce words properly. Oh, rather okay. than just learning the actual. So focusing know. on having the right accent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, that's also something that we, we acquired for the tech. Oh. But um, yeah, I mean, excuse <laughs> me, we're always keeping our eyes open for, uh -huh. you know, uh, platforms that mesh well with Blogme, things that could really boost us. And I mean, it's a, it's a great bonus because yeah. now the, you know, the gumdrop uh -huh. team has a little piece uh, in Vlogme. And yeah. so when, when we're big, we got to pump everyone else up with us. You know? That's so what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. You guys are, I like that. You guys are thinking really like long-term, right? So you're like expanding and you're, you're kind of like eliminating the competition, you know, you're like bringing into your team. 100%. And I mean, yeah, obviously Gumdrop, like they were like super involved with UT. So like, yep. I'm sure you guys like having that is like going to give you a lot of publicity already. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and you know, one of the things that is something that we look forward to so much is that, you know, right now we're looking at, I mean, this is all public info. So mm -hmm. um, like, our current valuation for Vlogme is around $5 million. Mm -hmm. But with people that we've been talking to in the industry, people who are our advisors and some of the mentors here at Capital Factory, they're telling us that there are companies they've worked with who have really, there, there's this one company, I'm not going to name them, but mm -hmm. they built their platform for around 400 grand. Mm -hmm. And it was a, this social platform the platform sucked. It was really bad. Mm -hmm. It was very, very buggy. It got really bad reviews. They got big on TikTok. And mm. within like a weekend, they got 50,000 downloads on their platform. Still bad reviews and everything. Uh -huh. But with 50,000 downloads and a bunch of bad reviews, uh -huh. they were able to raise $5 million. Oh, wow. <laughs> they were able to raise $5 million at something like a it was probably around a $50 million valuation Damn. at five, at 50,000 users. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I hear stuff like that, if you have 10,000 users, you can raise a million bucks mm -hmm. at a valuation of like 15. Yeah. And so, you know, when I, when I hear stuff like that, you know, one of my friends has 11 million followers on Instagram, mm -hmm. like alone. And I've seen, us be able to grow things from zero to 50k mm -hmm. zero to a million you know i like i live streamed on this platform in the philippines mm -hmm. and within two months i had like fifty thousand followers already yeah and i was i was actually humble brag flex, <laughs> but i was the biggest male streamer on the platform okay and okay. i have to say i was the biggest male streamer because i could not compete with the female streamers mm. the female <laughs> streamers were so much bigger than i was uh -huh. and the re some of the biggest ones that pissed me off because they were on there and they would be literally on their phone. They would have their phone like this. Their camera, <laughs> so it was filming down. Yeah, yeah. They'd be wearing underwear and they would have this in-app currency called beans. So that's what they were. Instead of like gold, mm. it was beans. Mm -hmm. And they would have on their screen saying beans for moans. And so anytime people would donate beans, <laughs> uh -huh. they would moan. And I'm yeah. like, Are you, this is not, not much you can do to compete with that. <laughs> this person has five times uh -huh. the amount of viewers that I have. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's the platform I had to leave when I was Yeah, like that's the platform I had to leave. Because uh. there was like people from Saudi Arabia asking me to marry them. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yo, low key, she could have been some yeah. princess right now. But yeah. yeah, man. So like, wow. I, I've seen stuff like that happen. I've mm -hmm. seen YouTube channels get a million followers over mm -hmm. the course of a weekend. You know, it just happens. And so 
for us, we're just so confident in our ability to be able to get to that point. You know, 50,000 yeah. is a big number, but it's not a pipe dream. It's not that big of a number. You know, if we're thinking about like tens of millions of users, no. 50,000 is just a speck. And so exactly. we, we know that we're going to be able to hit that. And so it's just really exciting because, you know, I'm not a technical founder. I'm not developing mm -hmm. this platform. And so the hard part for me is I can't be up all night programming because that's not what I do. That's mm -hmm. not my skill set. And so for us, the hardest thing was getting the app built, the platform built and mm -hmm. getting it released. And so it's just so exciting now that we're getting to the point where we're going to be able to start onboarding these users because I think it's really going to change a lot of stuff really fast. And, yeah, you know, yeah. once the platform's there and ready to go, it's all going to be focused on growth. And, you know, that stuff is the stuff that I really love. Well, it's been the hardest thing, like, like the single hardest, like, obstacle you have to overcome in building LogMe so far. Um, I would say the fact that you have to figure out how to, how to survive, you know, like, like not run out of runway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've mentioned this before, but if it was my sister and I doing this project alone, we would be pretty well off, you know, we, mm -hmm. we're doing pretty well right now, but the fact that we had, we're a family business. And so on top of paying for our stuff, we have to support a family on mm -hmm. top of that. And so, you know, your runway gets really, you know, it gets eaten up fast. Mm. Like you raise 50 grand and you think, yeah, I raised 50 uh -huh. grand and then it's gone. Like <laughs> yeah. it's gone. It pays for the last month. And um, it's like, yeah. where did that money go? And then you got to be focused on getting more. And so for the past two and a half years, my full-time job has been fundraising mm. just the whole time finding investors where can we get investors how can we keep our fee moving and that is the hardest thing because you are up against the wall every single month and you have no idea where that money is going to come from you know we're living month yeah. to month with no salary yeah so we have to figure out okay how are we going to make our car payment how are we going to make our house payment how are we going to pay our devs how are we going to pay our employees mm -hmm. you know how are we going to get food our house and so like you gotta have your startup be as lean as possible oh 100 yeah. yeah. and i mean like even coming here to the u.s we raised enough money for us to be able to pack all of our stuff in the philippines mm -hmm. put it in a storage container get plane tickets for the family and get an airbnb for a month mm -hmm. like just enough we had we have no plan like no plan on where we're going to get the next but like obviously we have prospects and we're mm -hmm. talking to them but we don't know where the next batch of money yeah. is going to come from. After that month in the Airbnb, what are we going to do? Like, it's really, really freaking stressful. Yeah, bro. Like, at the same time, it, it's like very valuable because it teaches you how to like, you know, how to minimize all your expenses. Oh, and definitely. How to like, oh, dude. We know. have become experts at bootstrapping <laughs> uh -huh. and yeah. just being very crafty. Yeah, what's like, what's like the craftiest thing you've done to like minimize expenses? <laughs> okay. Um, um okay i would say all right so one of the the craftiest things that we we had to do was uh when we all moved here as a family we couldn't find a place where we could all stay for like under six grand a month like it was mm. so expensive Damn. so we <laughs> we shipped our parents over to galveston so oh. south of houston because uh -huh. we were able to get them a place that's cheaper there mm -hmm. so they're chilling out there while we're here in austin mm. for for a month or something we were like on people's couches yeah, we on couch surfing mm. on, on, going from motel to motel to airbnb to couch god it was a such a headache mm -hmm. and 
I even did a I did a podcast with uh, Draper Startup mm-hmm. House at our Super Eight, and the Wi Fi was so bad. I kept. Oh, coming uh, <laughs> I was listening to the podcast. I was yeah. like, man, this is like some real like uh-huh. very low budget type stuff. But I mean, anything from like the food we eat to like you know spam. Yeah, dude, we we love spam. We, we, we love spam. We've had spam cooked in twenty-seven different ways. Damn, like, <laughs> spam were... and rice and instant noodles. Spam, that's that's mm, kind of our diet. Spam rice, instant noodles. Luckily, that's popular in the Philippines. Right? Yeah, very, yeah, so popular. Very. Yeah, and so I mean, like, it was a lot cheaper to survive in the Philippines than mm. it is here, and so it's been a lot more difficult to, you know, figure out what kind of stuff you have to prioritize because you know you got to eat. But the main thing for us is having a roof. You know, mm. if we have a roof, I'm okay because very few people, I think very seldom in the United States do people die from hunger. You know, yeah. I, you know, no, no, I'm just I'm, <laughs> like I'm just saying, like, you know, I I don't think many people die from hunger in the United States. And so as that, long as we have somewhere to sleep. Yeah, so that's okay. not that hasn't been a worry for me. You can survive three weeks without eating, right? Yeah. It's not gonna be comfortable, <laughs> but you can survive. Yeah, and when you yeah. ca- like when you have like such an ambition to build this thing that you're building, like the other things, the other small things, like they become insignificant. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. actually our family motto has become, we're not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, like how big of a problem is it really if we're not dead yet? And, we're all yeah. alive. We're all eating every day at least, you know? And like, so. I, I do this a lot, but it really helps me put things into perspective. Like whenever we're out somewhere, like even tonight, mm-hmm. we have, this event at Capital Factory. Um, I don't know when this is going to come out, but we have this Capital Factory Christmas event tonight. And so, you know, at things like that, you take a step back and you just, you know, take a breath and you look around and you're like, things can't be that bad. You know, like, look where I am right now. I'm in mm-hmm. Capital Factory. They yeah. got kombucha on tap, you know, exactly. like they got cold brew. They got, <laughs> they had monster energy they yesterday. Like, they have what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like so they got Taco Tuesdays here. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you take a step back and you you look at that and you're like, okay, you know, life is pretty good. I I can't complain. Like no matter how hard it feels, I mean, like dude, where hey, look at where we are. This this yeah. this room is nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking this like sparkling black raspberry flavored water. Exactly. Like, this, this is great. Uh, and and yeah. so it's it's difficult because you know. For me, I've pretty much exhausted all of my options with our family and friends for raising money. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're sick and tired <laughs> of hearing me reach out for uh-huh. these fundraising rounds, you know? Yeah. So, but like, it's things like that where I really had to drop my ego because you got to reach out to those people. Because if I go and talk to an investor, they want to know that I've used all of the options that I've tried everything to get capital already. Mm-hmm. And you know, they want to know that we have skin in the game, that like we're a part of this. And so like our parents are, you know, we like to say they're betting the ranch on this. You know, mm-hmm. our parents are full on on Vlogme. Vlogme is our family company. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everything that we do is related towards Vlogme. You know, we don't even have, we don't, we don't have time off ever. You know, it, it's, it's a hard thing because at 8 p.m. you don't get to switch off. No. Yeah. Like there is no switching off. And so it's really easy to burn out because, you know, there's just so there's there's not enough hours in the day mm-hmm. and there's always stuff to do. But the difficult thing is that you have to tell yourself 
what you're going to do. You have to be the one. It's not about completing work. It's about figuring out what needs to be done and then completing it. And if you're not completing the right stuff, you're going to fail. Yeah. And so it's about figuring out what you need to do, prioritizing it, and then just it, doing it. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's up to you yeah. as a decision maker. If you're the CEO, if you're the, the leader, you have to make the right decisions on what stuff is important and mm-hmm. what stuff isn't. Because if I spend two days writing up a report for something and it's not useful to me, I just wasted two days. And like I said before, there's some eight-year-old prodigy in China that is just blowing me out of the water right now yeah. while I'm wasting two days. And you really got to think like that because, you know, we, the only thing yeah. that we have is time. And if you waste that time, obviously you got to take time for yourself. You know, we're very big advocates for mental health. You know, people got to mm-hmm. take time, but yeah, there's a, there's a point where you just have to keep, doing it you know like you can't you can't let up on the gas pedal because you let up for a little bit and then you're way behind and a lot of the stuff that people like think might take a week to do you can probably do it in a day Mm -hmm. if you really try if you really try to do it in a day you can and so i mean i I think of that with a lot of stuff and it comes back actually to my mindset from this video game i used to play i don't know if you've heard of it it's called runescape I've heard of it, but I don't know what it what it's it is. The but I've heard of it. Game in the world. <laughs> so when I when I play RuneScape, uh-huh. I have a spreadsheet open on the side, so uh-huh. I like taking notes and stuff. Damn, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's it's I love it. Uh-huh. I love it. And so that game taught me the marathon kind of mindset because it takes so long to be able to level up in that game. It's a mm. super big grind, and so the way that you play that game is how can you maximize your efficiency with every single thing that you do in game. Mm. And in the real world, I think about that. How am I going to maximize the efficiency of what I'm doing right now? Mm. Like, if I can smash out this three, this three day report in one day, even if the report isn't as good in the one day, I have something to build off of now. I can send that out and and use it because a lot of the times you're perfecting something, you make it 1% better. It's like, okay, you made it 1% better and you took three extra days. Like you got to know when it's okay mm-hmm. and when you really need to perfect something. Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself getting caught up, like making that decision to be like, man, like which one do I do? Which one do I do? And like, you find yourself like looking back, like, man, I keep like, I'm not being efficient enough. Like, what do I do? Like, well, one of the things that, that I do consistently that I think people who are like, in a decision-making position mm-hmm. need to do is you really need to, when you're making decisions, especially big decisions, before you make that decision, write down what outcome you think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. What outcome is going to come from making the decision? And by doing that, you get better and better at predicting the outcome of these decisions. You can mm-hmm. say, okay, I was right about this. I was wrong about this mm-hmm. because as you know, like the the CEO of your company, you're the decision maker. Yeah. And the success of your company depends on your decision making. If you make the right decisions, you'll succeed. If you make the wrong decisions, you won't. And you have to become a good decision maker. If you can't make decisions, you can't be a CEO because people want to look at all of these there's so many options you know what what should we do now there's so yeah. many should we pivot should we not should we keep doing this they want to research everything they want to do all this yeah. due diligence and as a decision maker you have to be able to say 
we're doing this. We're not going to waste any more time and let's figure this out. Yeah. And also like the, like the thing about decisions is that there's always like an opportunity cost, you know, there's always like a sacrifice that's involved. 100%. And so you can't like, you can't want everything. Exactly. Like you, you have to just choose a path and go with it and be like, okay, this is, I did my best and, you know, you know, think about the outcome and just learn from there because a lot of people aren't willing to make sacrifices. And that's, I feel like that's what holds back a lot of people from making the right decision. I actually agree with that 100%. Yeah. I think that people don't want to make decisions because they're afraid of, you know, being wrong. Mm -hmm. but people want to like, they'll, they'll hold off on those, on those decisions, but it's really important that, you know, you're comfortable with, with making those decisions mm -hmm. because you're going to be wrong a lot, but you just got to minimize the amount of times you're wrong. And the only way that to do that is to make those decisions, you and know, that's how you learn. And like one of the things we have this employee handbook and in it, I don't remember the exact quote, but it talks about how, you know, fast is better than slow, make a decision and do it and execute it. And if it's wrong, it's fine. You know, yeah. like we, we can figure it out, but for so many things, you don't want to be slow. You don't want to be planning things out because if you just plan something out and you're planning and planning and planning, then sure, you might come up with a great structure on what you want to do, but you mm -hmm. haven't done anything. Yeah. And if you do something, you're actually making changes. You're actually getting feedback from users. Mm -hmm. And so it's way more important that you get people to build something, you know, just do it. I want people to be comfortable in making their decisions, you know? Our, our biggest rule at VlogMe is use good judgment in all situations. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for graphic stuff, for graphic design, my sister is the expert. I'm not the expert. She needs to be comfortable to make those decisions, you know? Yeah, yeah and like I was telling you earlier, when I'd write an email or I'd make a screen, mm -hmm. I would always go to my brothers and my dad and say, is this okay? Like, can you look over this? Is it okay? And then over time, like, it's it's just a learning experience, I, especially going into VlogMe straight out of high school. Yeah. But um i learned that i don't need them to okay it every single time yeah. unless it's like a huge decision because i'm more knowledgeable about graphic design exactly. than they are yeah and so i should have the final say on things like that and i don't need them to proofread my email every single yeah. time i read an email 100 oh, exactly. and like i want people like to have confidence in themselves when they're doing that like they're confident in this email that they wrote so they're going to send it you don't have to run it through me because like at first, if they're learning, like when she was just learning out of high school, of course, of course, we would do that because she's learning. But now she's at a point where she doesn't have to send me stuff to proofread. Yeah. She's confident in you that. Trust herself. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you know, like for me, I don't have anyone that, other than my dad who can proofread my stuff. So it's like, you just got to send it out. If you make mistakes, you know how many times I've sent an email mm -hmm. to someone with the wrong name or someone that says, hi, yeah. name or something <laughs> like that. Uh -huh. I feel so stupid. Uh -huh. But you know, it's those times. That I've done that, that I've made me become so aware every single time now. I'm like, I cannot make this mistake because it is so embarrassing. You know, you learn so yeah. much more by doing it. And obviously exactly. that's that's so cliche, but it, it's just so true, man. Yep. You gotta be a doer, guys. You, you gotta, just gotta, be gotta put action to the idea. That's what the doers cast is all about. Um yeah. yeah. So 100%. yeah, um, I guess we can like start wrapping it up, but I know you guys want to talk about like your mailing stuff i think yeah. Yeah, yeah so i mean this is just uh this is just a little shout out for vlogme so vlogme is going to be out for you to download very very soon um I'll, I'll look at the camera so yeah you can download vlogme very <laughs> download soon Vlog me. um 
And in the meantime, you can go to our product hunt. If you want producthunt.com slash vlogme or just look up vlogme on product hunt or go to our website or any of our social pages, you'll see it. It's there at vlogme on everything, vlogme.com, producthunt.com slash vlogme. Uh, you can join our mailing list. Uh, we'll get... let you know when it's available. You can sign up, get yep. updates. You can be the first to reserve your username. So right. if uh, you're on right away, really soon, you can get a pretty dope username. Mm -hmm. My username is just at Luke. Mine's at Rafaela. So, I mean, uh, yep. we invite everyone <laughs> to come and, and reserve your username while they're still there. And, you know, just uh, join the platform because we, we really think that this is something that people are going to become advocates about you know we, mm -hmm. we think more so than just having users on our platform we think that because of our positive social message and you know our, our vision on the direction where we're going we we think that people are really going to become advocates for this type of platform mm -hmm. and so get on it while it's new guys i mean it's uh it's the best time to to get on a brand new platform and learn it yeah. and you know start being more authentic on social media be more yourself. Yeah. do you guys have a like a patreon or something like that or i guess for fundraising yeah we, we don't have a we don't have a patreon or anything um we might be opening up to do a a reg cf crowdfunding mm -hmm. campaign in the future okay so we'll keep you posted on that on our website um, yeah, on our website mailing list if you guys are subscribed to that then you'll get updates on uh vlogging next steps yeah okay. and for individual investors hey no Go ahead. we're almost done we're almost done yeah yeah. So, I mean, for, uh, for, for any people who are interested in becoming, you know, a, a shareholder in blog me, um, yeah, we're like, we're like in our last minute. We're about to finish. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, if you want to be a, a shareholder in blog me, we will be opening up likely in the future to become, uh, you know, do a, a reg CF crowdfunding yeah. campaign online. Um, but in the meantime, we're only doing, uh, you know, private, uh, a private raise through mm -hmm. our private placement. And so that's more so open to angels and stuff. Uh, I'm not sure. Angel, yeah. If you're an angel yeah. watching this, yeah. you know, if you're like... an angel watching this, uh, hit us up. I mean, obviously we can uh, get that conversation started and see where we go from there. But I mean, yeah, I, I just want to say, man, yeah. Yeah, thank for, you so much course. for having us. Thanks yeah. for having us on this podcast. Thank you guys for coming on. Like. I, had a great this is like our, our longest episode by far oh, but no i think way. we got so much good content that's like, so I'm, cool i'm so excited well I, but, I, i'm excited hopefully you know six months or a year from now we can come back on and yeah, see dude. where the yeah. podcast is at, see where awesome. the at and you know <laughs> yeah i think in six months or a year the podcast that we're going to be doing is going to be way different you know, like I think that it's going to be even the way we talk. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like we're going to be for all of us. so much growth. And so it'll be a cool thing to look back on. Yeah. And the only way to get there is to just stay consistent with it. So just yep, keep showing up and keep doing it. And be a doer. All <laughs> right. This was Vlogme, y'all. Um, yeah. I'll link everything down below. Make sure to, to go check them out. But yeah, that's it for the episode. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Woohoo. Thanks, man. Thank Peace.